0: Are You Just Watching? is supported by our dearly loved listeners. Special thanks to Tim Martin, Richard French, and Stephen Brown II for their monthly support. To help support Are You Just Watching? please go to patreon.com slash areyoujustwatching. Show notes for this episode can be found at areyoujustwatching.com slash 64. Are you just watching episode sixty-four, Doctor Strange? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin.
1: I'm Tim Martin.
0: And uh, this was an interesting movie.
1: <laughs> huh. It was uh, what you would expect from Marvel Fair with a few interesting twists in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. This this one, I was it was unexpected. I kind of. Uh, went in completely blind, not knowing a whole lot about the movie other than a few movie trailers, mm-hmm. and I found it hugely entertaining and amazingly full of stuff that made me think of scripture, believe it or not, as yeah. I was watching the movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'd, I wish I had had the opportunity to, uh, to see the movie one or two more times um, as we were going through and doing our show notes and everything uh, or our, our movie notes, not our show notes. Um, I was thinking, man, I wish I could remember that quote or, uh, <laughs> what was it that Catechus was saying? But it, it is loaded.
0: Yes. Very. Absolutely and loaded. I would I would start writing down a quote and it would already be like three lines into it. And I'd go, and I could only remember the end. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're
1: paraphrasing the quotes as you write yeah. them
0: the uh, The movie is the movie score is by our good old friend Michael Giacchino. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many uh, movie scores we have uh, had from him. Feels I, like he's I,
1: done half of them.
0: At half, least of, half half
1: the ones we've reviewed.
0: <laughs> yes, it's amazing. He's he's prolific. Uh, we'll play a little bit of the music here for you. the score it well I won't say it's weird, it kind of matches the how weird the movie is <laughs>
1: <laughs> it well it, he does in every other film we've seen with him uh, mm-hmm. he's done a really good job of matching the feeling of the music to the feeling that the director is portraying in the film mm-hmm. and i don't I think this is uh no exception uh, although it was just I wonder does Disney have an option on this guy because he's done all the Disney films hasn't he?
0: Yes, pretty much. Yeah, I I think that's what we had noticed before because he did. I think it was Tomorrowland, and he did Inside Out. Yep. Um, I don't remember what other movies. I know those two for sure, but it does seem like almost all the Disney movies that we've looked at that, mm-hmm. that he was the composer for.
1: They certainly have a gold mine on their hands.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I do like his music, though. I will tell you that I'm beginning to, to just like with John Williams, I'm beginning to to hear you know, the, the isms uh, isms <laughs> <to his laughs> soundtrack, you know, it's like, you can almost always tell a John Williams when you, a soundtrack, when you listen to it, they all kind of have something in common and I'm starting mm-hmm. to find those in, in the Giacchino scores as well. It, he's got a
1: style that, uh, that bleeds through the music.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the, uh, director, uh, of this is Scott Derrickson. Do you know what else he's directed? Cause I, the name is not familiar to me.
1: I don't, but I should be able to pull it up right here. Let's see. Uh, Doctor Strange, The Exorcism, Deliver Us From Evil.
0: (laughs) See a theme here?
1: Uh, (laughs) The Devil's Not Sinister, The Exorcism (laughs) of Emily Rose, Hellraiser Inferno.
0: Mm. Hmm. Well, we saw some articles that seem to imply that this man is a Christian.
1: Oh, they came out and <laughs> stated yeah, it outright. Sta- yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: that- we could not find any actual confirmation of that. But uh, lots of people out there are saying that he's a Christian. And judging by his um, movies, that's kind of an interesting twist.
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's, there was – what was this movie? Um, the Conjuring. The people mm-hmm. who make – I haven't seen either one. It, its They're on my list of movies to watch eventually. But the people who make The Conjuring are both uh, very strong Christians. Mm. And they uh, – I heard a, a very brief snippet of an interview with them where they try to use the movie to um, depict the grace of God or, or something along those lines.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing is all very spiritual. I mean, a lot of the ones that you just named off were movies that have some kind of a spiritual aspect to them, maybe not necessarily a good Christian mm. spiritual aspect. But that's kind of where this movie kind of heads too. is that it's all all about a spiritual warfare that the average person doesn't even notice is going on around them. Yeah, And I think that... Uh, Maybe just the Christians are a little more willing to delve into that space for stories.
1: It's, I don't see why that wouldn't be the case, since mm-hmm. Christians, uh, by definition, have to believe in eternal soul and mm-hmm. you know the battle against uh, the battle against Satan and his minions.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now this movie was fairly clean. I'm- yep. I can't remember there may have been a, few, a handful of bad words in it. I want to say um,
1: less than 5.
0: Yeah. And the uh the the violence is not all that bloody.
1: The the opening scene has uh some a little disturbing imagery in it, but it's yeah, all it in silhouette.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and or off camera or yeah. you know where they they move it where you're not actually seeing anything. Yeah. Um yeah, I think they dealt with that with great sensitivity. I know that the uh, Marvel Comics movies tend to draw a lot of children. And so I'm glad that they were at least sensitive to the fact that parents are going to take their kids to see a comic book movie.
1: Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> Regardless don't, think I, of rating. <laughs> I don't think I would be comfortable with um, with anything below high school going to see this mm-hmm. just because I guess I, I don't think that the maturity level of Say middle school and below, and I'm just being very general here, mm-hmm. is enough to separate the make believe with the occult in mm-hmm. this because it in Doctor Strange the the purpose of the occult is to tell a story and to make a point. It's not pushing the occult as a viable career choice, so to speak.
0: <laughs> Well, it kind of mixes mixes it all together in this movie too. It's not presenting any any particular occult or any particular religion. It just seems to be a, a mishmash of yeah. different different stuff.
1: A little like Kubo and the Two Strings was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe even more so than Kubo was. But yeah. yeah, it's it's I don't think that the director or the writers or anybody was going for this is this is a a true eastern oh. you know mystis, mysticism yeah. i yeah, yeah I, I don't think
1: they were uh, pitching it as a uh, as a vehicle to um eastern mysticism uh belief for anyone yeah
0: right which i do think kubo was so i think that that, that definitely is a difference hmm. um when when we discuss this of course we do want to recommend that you go to pluggedin.com to see their family friendly uh, review of the movie, but we also are going to put in the show notes a link to a really good article mm-hmm. that someone else at Focus on the Family wrote uh, regarding Doctor Strange. And it was a really good article and then it had some links to some other really good articles in it, which yeah. we might might discuss later on in the podcast, but we'll be putting links to those because there's actually been some really good stuff written about this movie Yeah, that, that we want people to share. So make sure you go to our show notes at com slash 64 to uh check out those links.
1: This movie seems to have drawn a lot more um intellectual discussion than I think any of the uh the other movie Marvel movies thus far mm-hmm. with the possible exception of uh Captain America Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. But even even that the intellectual direction or the direction of the intellectual discussion for Doctor Strange certainly seems uh to be heavy in Christian circles. Mm-hmm. Uh and which is where I found that- most of it.
0: Well, like I said, I sat through the movie. I was seeing, you know, Christian illusions throughout uh, just my first time sitting down to see the movie. So I can see why anybody who's gone to see it more than once or went in it with a, with the idea that they were going to do in depth analysis of what was going on in the story, uh, because of the spiritual aspects of this movie, it, it seems to set itself up for that kind of discussion. Mm hmm which and we're going to touch on that as we proceed in our podcast but probably not to the depth that other people have done so
1: yeah <laughs> we don't have the hours it would take to uh, to delve into this the way that they do
0: yes and i know that uh, there's a lot of women out there who are going to this movie just to see benedict cumberbatch so <laughs> Uh, it, it it is, it is drawing a huge crowd.
1: Let's, let's not stop just with women here. Uh, (laughs) There are a lot of men who want to be Benedict
0: Cumberbatch. He's pretty amazing. Uh, the, the two women that I went to see the movie with, I I think they pretty much were going for him. And (laughs) one of them had already seen the movie once and she was thought it was so great. She was ready to go see it again. So that Hmm. was kind of nice to have that input. Um, but yeah, I I think he's an amazing actor. I haven't followed him as closely as some of my friends have. Um, I'm wondering if he would ever do a Bond, because he seems like he could do James Bond.
1: I I was thinking Doctor Who, but
0: uh... oh, you know he he might do a good Doctor Who too. <laughs> but they were saying I would hit, watch that. He's hit almost all of the major franchises now, <laughs> so yeah, uh, definitely a good performance of all the cast members, but. He was the definite star of this movie
1: yep no doubt about it well let's uh let's go over the what we did and didn't like about it and okay. uh and then we can get into the uh the spoiler, spoiler section. section yeah because most of what we have to discuss is going to be in the spoiler section mm-hmm. so just a heads up for our listeners, if you haven't seen it but you think you might want to, I would encourage you to go see it because the stuff we're going to be giving away in the spoiler section might really, ruin the movie. <laughs> yeah, really might <laughs> mo- ruin it. What uh, what did you like what What jumped out at you as being good and bad in uh, Doctor Strange?
0: Well, it was it was a dizzyingly amazing special effects movie. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> or I should say CGI more than special effects. But it it um it really reminded me of Inception, but to a greater degree it's like inception Inception on
1: steroids
0: yeah it was like inception was the training ground for (laughs) dr strange (laughs) um and part of that is it's very similar idea you know the that inception was going inside people's dreams and that you could twist the dreams in order to uh, make things work the way you wanted them to work and in this movie it was more of you were shifting reality on a spiritual realm and it kind of came across to very similar effects. Yeah. Uh uh it was it was um I I kind of enjoyed the the love story that was going on. It was it was subtle. Um not definitely the point of the movie, but I I appreciated that they threw that in. I think a lot of times with the Marvels the the love interest or the love story is kind of more of a a side thing and mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, this worked well because it really played to who Dr. Strange was as a person. And um, and I, I, I thought that was – I appreciated the way they did that.
1: Yeah, Rachel McAdams, the actress who played Dr. Palmer, Christine Palmer, did a really good job of uh, um, portraying a, a level of uh, unconditional agape love. Mm-hmm. Her um,
0: commitment to him despite his arrogance and total – <laughs>
1: it it feels like arrogance isn't a strong enough word there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he was an egomaniac
0: Yes, yes, and he walked all over her, and she bent over backwards not not in a demeaning way for a woman to bend herself over backwards for a man. I think it was just that that was the lengths that she was willing to go to because she loved him so much. Mm-hmm. And and I I just I appreciated that whole character build, development there.
1: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, Um, and and her performance was uh, was one of several very good performances. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, uh, I wouldn't say anything bad about uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, (laughs) There's nothing bad. You might get
0: lynched if you do.
1: (laughs) Open the door, find pitchforks and torches outside. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, and he did. He did an excellent job. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, he really made me dislike Dr. Stephen Strange uh, at the beginning of the movie.
0: Oh, yeah. He doesn't seem to be afraid to play the villain, and even the villain that you love to hate. Yeah. Um, he, he seems to be very good at that.
1: And uh, I, I specifically I want to call out um, the performance of the man who played Mordo
0: as opposed to Mordor. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> no we'll one just, ring in this one. Yeah.
0: We'll just get that out of the way because I've already stumbled on it multiple oh. times.
1: <laughs> um it and I'm gonna I, I know I'm gonna absolutely murder his name, but it's Chidwiedle I'm Surprised, surprised Ejifor, you can try. <laughs> um and I have liked him in everything I've seen him in. Um, I think the first movie that I noticed him in really was uh, Serenity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, at, at, uh, he was the he was the assassin in Serenity, and man, did he make that role come alive!
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he almost stole the movie.
1: <laughs> uh, and uh, oh, he was in. That's right, he was in The Martian too.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: he was the uh, program director, wasn't he in The Martian? Vincent Kapoor.
0: Yeah. Was that him? Yep. Okay.
1: Or at least IMDb says it was.
0: (laughs) Well, then IMDb is movie gods. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Who are we to question IMDb? (laughs) I think he actually brings more depth to his roles than most actors out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, He seems to be able to uh, find the subtleties of his character and really play on them to, um, sort of, uh, take his character from a shell to, uh, uh, from a straw man to a real person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, it, uh, there was, um, the woman who played the ancient one.
0: Tilda Swinton.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what else I've seen her in. Um,
0: that was an amazing performance though. I mean, and her, her level of humor it's not something you normally think of in that kind of role. But that and that's the character not necessarily oh. the actress.
1: I I know what I've seen her in now. She was in she was the white witch in Narnia.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, wow, I should have checked this before.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um I I thought she did a, a a very respectable job. I wasn't all that happy uh, with her i wasn't as pleased with her performance i think as you were mhm um and i don't know why uh, maybe it's just general bias on my point i don't
0: know yeah i don't have anything to compare it to cuz i like i said i went to this movie completely blind and with no expectations yeah. so i appreciated the way she played the character um and i thought it worked and and i'm glad they put some of those snippets of the of like her a first Uh, Like the the beginning of the movie wasn't with Doctor Strange. It was actually with, you know, the bad guys and with her. And so that kind of gave us a warning as to where the movie was going from the beginning.
1: No, we didn't. Did we actually in the the opening scene, that fight, we didn't actually see her face, though, did we?
0: She um, she dropped her hood and we saw her from the back.
1: Okay, as she was
0: walking down the street at the end. That's
1: that's right. I even made a note in the dark about uh, the scars on the back of her head Mm -hmm. because I had had this idea that maybe the scars worked into a pattern or something, but they didn't. (laughs) I should write for Hollywood, I'll tell you what.
0: Yeah. Trying to list what I didn't like would be harder because I don't really recall anything standing out and saying, oh, that that just went flat for me. I didn't follow that so i i would say i don't really have a list of like i normally do of things that bothered me Mm -hmm. um i don't really recall anything bothering me in this movie
1: i think uh for me the only thing that really bothered me is the redemption story for stephen strange uh i i feel like it was left open-ended and it probably was uh, intentionally
0: yeah all these marvel comics movies all run together so i'm sure there's going to be another movie
1: (laughs) i felt like i was missing closure on the guy going from being a complete jerk to a defender of earth from you know spiritual forces or uh multi-dimensional forces but that's really the only complaint i have
0: it did seem they kind of like rushed his training a little bit. He went from like apprentice to suddenly master, and like and they explained like it away. Yeah, uh, and, well,
1: photographic memory. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a little tropish, really. Yeah. yeah. Although it's probably it's probably part of his character, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the Marvel universe. So uh, we can't really blame uh, the director or the creative team for that. <laughs> but still, I I, I sort of wish that. You know, that's actually one thing I wrote in my notes is how long was the training? Mm-hmm. Um, because you don't I got get a Im-
0: real feel for what how much time has passed.
1: Yeah, I, I sort of got the impression when he came back that it was years. Mm. But uh, I, I didn't notice anything in the film that actually provided that information. It would have been nice if they had uh, like at said, least six dropped years hints. later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> provided us something uh, yeah just to say you know he's been in training this long
0: right yeah and And well
1: all training has to have a musical montage and there was no musical montage in this film (laughs) so i I, i'm a little heartbroken about that
0: yeah well he he didn't (sighs) really train he kind he read so
1: and red, and red. And
0: red, and red, yeah. So, Well, I think from this point on, we probably should warn of spoil- spoilers and move on to uh, some more in-depth discussions about themes we saw in the movie. Now, I will say this right off the bat, that there's there's no way in the amount of time that we have to record this episode, there's no way we can hit on everything that was in this movie. Yeah. This is definitely one that probably would have worked better as a DVD where we could pick pick it apart and do two episodes, but we're not gonna do that. We're just gonna hit the highlights. Mm-hmm. And uh we really, really, really want you guys to show up on Facebook and hit the parts we miss because there's, there's going to be a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but let's go for it. <laughs> let's
1: let's jump into the spoilers section. Yes. Okay, so uh, what I think we should do is I think we should focus our discussion on three of the characters who are essentially spiritual warriors in this uh Dr. Stephen Strange, catechist, a villain, and Mordo, the um boy, what would you call him?
0: I don't know. You're the one that's leading this discussion.
1: Yeah, it, he's he's a co-pupil. He's a a, a peer of Dr. Strange though he had been there again i got the idea significantly longer i think he's longer. kind of
0: more like a mentor because he'd already he, he he was actually in some scenes teaching dr strange
1: yeah yeah absolutely um it's sort of like in uh, have you ever taken any martial arts Mm-mm. in uh in martial arts classes the sensei will often uh tap the um the higher ranked students to take the uh the newer students and show them the basics it's an important part of martial art training mm-hmm. and uh, i well, i got the impression that's what was happening here you
0: always learn something better when you teach it yeah
1: exactly mm-hmm. uh it's like kung fu panda 3 uh <laughs> the last thing poe has to master is teaching yeah we didn't do that movie did we no no we no not didn't.
0: Didn't.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh dr strange is the uh titular character so uh let's jump into him real quick Um, okay as we had discussed earlier dr strange at the beginning of the movie is a complete and utter egomaniacal jerk Mm -hmm. um he just he goes everything he does is about promoting his own glory Mm -hmm. uh he was choosing his uh cases about whether or not they would be challenging for him and whether or not they a uh, successful conclusion, because that's all he had, a successful conclusion would, uh, you know, imp- increase his fame. Right.
0: So and he would turn down cases that he didn't feel like he could um, complete properly. He didn't want any failures on his record. Yeah. So if there, fact- ch- if there was a chance for failure, he wouldn't do it.
1: One of, the, one of the cases actually plays back into the movie with mm-hmm. a uh, – what I would call a cameo role by Benjamin Bratt uh, where he – Benjamin Bratt played a construction worker who was uh, – uh, had his spine completely severed and uh, Strange turned down the surgery on it because he didn't think it was – he thought it was a lost cause. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it doesn't come back to haunt him in the film but it does come back to inform him. Mm -hmm. which i thought was a a nice way to do this and the way it plays into the second end credit scene (laughs) is particularly interesting to me right so uh when strange uh is very badly injured he uh essentially has to have his hands rebuilt and by everything discussed in the movie it's uh, a spectacular job they did, but he will never, ever be a surgeon again.
0: And he was actually not happy with He's like, they were like, nobody could have done better. And he's like, I could have, you know, <laughs> it was just kind of like that. Um, he thought they'd ruined him.
1: When he said that, I was thinking, wait a minute, isn't this guy a neurosurgeon?
0: And it was his nerves and the, the, the nerves into his hands that were damaged. That's why they shook so bad.
1: Uh, I always thought that neurosurgeons specialized in uh essentially brain surgery but i guess the entire nervous system would fall under their purview wouldn't it
0: mm-hmm. yes
1: it would yeah you know, stephen strange uh just falls into complete uh, actually slowly falls into madness trying to uh trying to find a solution to get his hands back because his world is broken
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um i i felt like there was a uh an idolatry of uh, of fame and control here for for Stephen Strange.
0: Yeah, and you know I think part of it was his atheistic worldview, and that's actually what comes under attack when he when he meets the Ancient One. Um, but it, it's interesting because he, everything to him is in the now, and it's material and it's natural. Um, he doesn't have anything to go beyond, so it, it definitely mm-hmm. would would make sense that. When his whole he 's built his whole life around what he can do with his hands, and then he loses his hands that his life is broken because that 's all there is he has no other level of understanding no other level of goals everything is is materialistic in, in, in the here and now and I think that to to be honest that shows kind of a fault in that worldview that there yep. uh, where we can so easily break ourselves because we're we're dependent on on the things and the now and the materialistic because we have no other uh, level of understanding.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, one of the most common idolatries that uh, Christians call out is the idolatry of money. And it's so easy to find yourself suddenly uh, no longer making uh, that enormous sum that you were making or uh, in possession of the the material goods that you uh, used to have. Mm -hmm. the the idols of mankind are all very fragile
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh it's just it's a mystery to me how more people don't reach out to the permanent uh Mm -hmm. the permanence of god the the eternality of of god and his character and essence
0: it's interesting because I had a discussion fairly recently with an atheist, and one of the things that she that she stated to me that I that kind of gave me a, a different perspective on her was that she she said that she felt that it would make her weak to believe in religion. That she she was making herself a stronger person by make by striving to be better and and to ascend and be you know to uh, do good deeds and to ascend in 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 some level of form and what puzzled me about that is is that she her her understanding of it was that she could she could make herself better but where was the goal i mean what what standard was she defining what what being better or what being good was was because when it's a subjective standard then you don't have a real goal to be reaching for number 1 and number 2 if you do have a goal you either set it too low and you make it too easy or you set it too high and make yourself depressed because you can't ever attain it. Mm -hmm. I I kind of when in the discussion. I kind of told her my viewpoint was that when as Christians, we have, um, we don't have the responsibility to make ourselves as good as God because we can't do it. We start with the assumption it's impossible and we let God reach down to us instead and that may seem like an easy crutch, but it's actually hard because our mentality is to be exactly what she, she says that she wants to be. To perform and make ourselves better, that's the human nature. We want to be in control of our lives. We want to be the kings of our lives. And to hand that, surrender that over to someone else is a lot of work. And I think it, that perhaps she didn't understand how much, how hard it is to let go of self. Yeah. And uh how much of a sacrifice that is
1: I think that I think the drive to be stronger and uh, be a better person that uh, that she is expressing i think I think it has uh, it certainly has roots in god uh, mm-hmm. it, romans two fourteen through sixteen says for when Gentiles who do not have the law." By nature, do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. Mm -hmm. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was interesting because in that discussion, we're going a little bit off topic. I think it fits with Dr. Strange. In that discussion, she says, it might surprise you to know that I'm a very spiritual person. And and I was like, no, actually, it doesn't surprise me at all because God created us in his image. We were all spiritual beings. And it only makes sense that even when we try to deny the spiritual realm, which is basically what atheists do, um, it's not materialistic it's not natural they can't prove it exists so therefore they deny that it exists when you try to deny that there's a part inside of you that knows you're not that it knows that it's true it mm-hmm. may not be able something that you can you know scientifically prove but you know in your heart because that's a part of god that's in you um, that the spiritual realm is there
1: yeah yeah it's it, it's um willful ignorance
0: mhm Intellectual dishonesty yeah exactly
1: <laughs> um, and you know the fact that uh, strange has to be um, introduced to this this world of uh, this world beyond the one he understands is uh, mm-hmm. is a very big part of the movie mm-hmm. um, and I found it interesting how the ancient one sort of tied it back into uh, uh, the idea that some people would call it some people would call it magic, some people would call it spells, but it 's just a manipulation of energy, um, mm-hmm. and that reminded me of that arthur c. clarke quote that uh, uh, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic mm-hmm. yeah um, and uh, that actually ties back uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to a line that was in one of, I think the original Thor movie where Thor was talking to, um, Natalie Portman's characters, uh, about, uh, how it, it seems like magic, but it's, it's really science.
0: That was one of the things that fascinated me about the Thor movie when it came out was that, uh, in, in our mythology, Thor is a God, but mm-hmm. what they show him to be in the Marvel universe is a alien from another dimension. And, and so he has more power because in his dimension, that's the way you know people are and and it just they they took away that spiritual aspect of gods and put it into a different hierarchy of of yeah. beings and uh But yet, in this movie, where they don't necessarily go with gods as a terminology, you kind of get the feel that there is something of a godly struggle going on. Yeah. And, and that's where the, the spiritual warfare aspect comes in. And they even t- say in the movie that there's this division because they say the hero- heroes protect the physical world and the sorcerers protect the spiritual world. I,
1: uh, I, I was interested in your thoughts on um, when uh, it, it, throughout the entire movie uh, or at least the first three quarters of the movie, Strange is uh, focused on restoring his hands. Uh, how do you think that the fact that he at the end – made the conscious decision to not fix his hands. Uh, how do you think that plays into the overall uh, presentation or theme of, of um, the movie? Uh,
0: there was a line where he was talking to um, Dr. Palmer near the end and where he said, you, t- you told me that you had said to me that losing my hands didn't have to be an end. It could be a beginning and that I should learn how to save lives a different way. That's a paraphrase because I didn't get the mm-hmm. whole quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, But I think that that ties into what you're asking, because that was near the end of the movie. That was where he had uh, had discovered a truth that she had told him from the beginning, but he wasn't ready to hear it before. And when he got to the end of end of that journey through defending the spiritual realm and whatever. um, And this was actually I think that quote actually came before he faced down in the in the final battle. But,
1: Dormatu yeah or Dumatu, or whatever his name yeah, is
0: right um before he fat faced down this dark lord of whatever whatever this dark dimension was he, he had he was already getting there and and that was he was acknowledging to her you were right that losing my hands was not the end that I could save lives a different way that was his acknowledgement to her and so I think that that's that's what he got out of what the Ancient One told him there at the end of her life. And mm-hmm. and, that it, and that it was what he took into that final battle, that he had learned a different way to save lives. And before, to him, the saving the lives was not the important thing. But he had grown as a character to the point where it didn't matter how he did it. It was only that lives were saved.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, he actually had an argument with Mordo. Mm-hmm. about uh whether or not the zealots of calicus should be killed. Mhm. And uh he's I was saying at the time that I saw it I was thinking that he was uh uh holding fast to the um hippocratic oh. oath. Uh he even he even first says that you know it, first do no harm. Mhm. Um but he really does seem to to embrace that and uh it, it wasn't, I didn't think of this until uh, you responded to my question. But regarding the hands, mm-hmm. um, there's this quote, there's this uh, short conversation between Mordo and the Ancient One where he says, uh, uh, Mordo says, I wanted to learn to defeat my enemies. I learned how to defeat my demons. And the Ancient One says, We never lose our demons. We only learn to live above them. Mm-hmm. So, I, that was uh, pretty early on in the – in the well, maybe halfway through the movie, but it never occurred to me that that would be foreshadowing the uh, fact that Strange never – chooses to never repair his hands. Mm-hmm. He uh, raises himself to where their injury doesn't really impact him.
0: Well, and I think that there was a discussion there between the, someone – and I can't remember now where it was – but about the Pangborn, the – the uh, Benjamin Pratt character uh, who had had gotten only so far as to make himself able to walk again, to use his sorcery to make his body whole or to hold his body whole. It mm-hmm. He didn't necessarily repair his body. He was just using sorcery to be able to walk and and use his body like it was healed. And yeah, he
1: was, he was powering it through was, that through, power, through yeah. that
0: power. And, and it was like, almost like, and I can't remember who the discussion was, but it seemed like the ancient one was involved. Um, but she had, there was some disappointment there that he had chosen to use that power selfishly instead of, um, move beyond, beyond that physical need and, and join their ranks. instead of just healing himself and i can't it seemed to me that that was in the movie somewhere but i couldn't tell you exactly where it was i have to go see the movie again maybe our our listeners can help us with that yeah
1: when strange talked to uh to uh brad's character Mm -hmm. uh, at the basketball court uh he's brad's character said i should really look up what his name was (laughs) uh pangborn said that um uh that more was offered but he didn't have the strength to pursue it Mm -hmm. um i don't remember the uh i don't remember the sense of disappointment from the ancient one Uh, now i really wish i could
0: and i like i said i can't remember whether it was even mordo that had brought him up i just remember at some point they were he was under discussion Mm -hmm. um with other characters in the movie and there was a sense of disappointment there um that he had chosen to to not continue further and and to take it beyond this you know this very selfish way of using his power and and i think that that dr strange because of his series of adventures um that Mm -hmm. he got kind of got blown into to be honest (laughs) Um, where he got blown into New York City by himself to try and, and protect that, that section of the, the shield. He, he he went into that unprepared, but he rose to the challenge and he grew as a character because of that. And I think that that is, is really what this movie was about was his growth as a character. It wasn't that he, he wasn't the same person at the end as he was at the beginning.
1: You, you actually bring up an interesting point here because one of the things I noticed is that even though he grew as a character, his, his understanding and his uh, – his interaction with the world grew. At the end, he was still—he's uh, his personality hasn't really changed. Uh, he's still uh, arrogant. Still comes across as arrogant, and I think I think there's a. This may be a little shallow, but I think there's a a, a bit of a parallel there to accepting Christ. Uh, when you accept Christ, there's not this magic transformation. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there, a transformation totally where, yeah, You're where still you yourself. become a nice person. Exactly. Yeah. You could be a complete jerk when you accept Christ. And there's still a lot of work mm-hmm. that goes into this, the process of sanctification. There's a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just like, you know, the stages of, of childhood from, from infant to baby, to toddler, to, child and uh i i appreciate that in dr strange they did not make his transformation into mystical
0: saint yeah he didn't become a <laughs> <Buddha>. complete <laughs>
1: yeah exactly
0: but you know what i felt i don't think that that was the the point of the training that he was undergoing was to make him a good person i think that Point of the training that they were putting him through was to make him a warrior in the spiritual realm. And warriors are not always nice people. And yeah. I, I think that um, they they did shape him into what they needed him to be. And he allowed himself, he surrendered himself. And that was actually um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about briefly was, you know, that whole, um, the, the first step that he had to do, what Mordo told him to do when he when he first took him Uh, to introduce him to the ancient one was that he had to forget everything you think you know and that's that whole level of arrogance that he was at where he thought he knew everything and he had Mm -hmm. to be knocked way down on that pedestal
1: (laughs) that's for sure
0: and and that's a humbling. he was
1: knocked through the pedestal he was
0: knocked through yeah that that was a humbling experience and and i think that that's where we all have to be we have to come to god on our knees we can't um, come to God as an equal and say, "Hey, you know, I think you can do some really great things in my life. So I'm going to invite you in to do some stuff, and and we're going to be on equal terms here. This yeah. that's not the way salvation works. We have to we have to forget everything we think we know, and and realize that God knows everything, and what we do know is so infinitesimally small compared to what He knows." that we have no place to stand before him. We can only come groveling on our knees.
1: Yeah. Most of what we know is completely wrong. Yeah. We just have to come re- to realization right. of that wrongness.
0: Right, right. And and I, I that was one of the first things that jumped out in, in the movie at me as being a very um, biblical uh, thing. And I, and I I couldn't actually give you a verse for it because I think – that it kind of is woven through all of the new testament that that whole philosophy of of letting go of who you are and letting god god be mm-hmm. and part of that is you know acknowledging that you are nothing in front of him and and that's what doctor St- and doctor strange had a hard time with that because boy did he (laughs) um and even after he went through this amazingly humbling experience with the ancient one she throws him out he had to actually sit on the doorstep and beg beg for hours for hours for them to let him back in and that was he had to be humbled he had to be brought all the way down in order for him to to get admittance
1: good point yeah
0: um and that brings into you know the whole realm of sacrifice and surrender because there was a line, another line that really jumped out at me. There were several in this movie, but um, mm. the ancient one told him at one point, your intellect has taken you far in life. It can take you no further surrender. And when she, she made that comment about surrendering it, it was just that whole jumping from you start out knowing nothing and you admitting how little, you know, really. And then you have to surrender yourself. And that is, Repeated quite often in a lot of Paul's writings, like in Romans six, where he goes in talking about uh, how we are crucified with Christ and we put our we put our de- our flesh to death so that we can live in Christ. And mm-hmm. so there's, the, you know, we're never actually told to surrender, but everything the way it's put together through. A lot of Paul's imagery is that's essentially what he's telling you to do is to lay your life down and surrender y- yourself so that God can dwell within you and and transform you. And I, I know that that's not exactly what the ancient one was telling him to do. He was supposed to surrender himself to the power, which yeah. Yeah. is very dangerous, actually, uh, especially when you're talking about it from occult turns. Um, You never know what's going to take control of you when you just surrender without um, surrendering to a particular uh, uh, spiritual being. You can get yourself in big trouble. But that was essentially a very Christian imagery there of surrendering yourself.
1: So uh, Dr. Strange is the, uh, um, you know, he's the main, he becomes the main spiritual warrior of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're and uh, putting aside the ancient one, who is really um, the the grand mentor of mm-hmm. them all. Uh, I I, I, I want to talk about uh, the other two spiritual warriors. Uh, first, let's talk about Cateca, uh, uh Casilius. Casilius. There we go. <laughs> he is, uh, like many Marvel... uh, Yeah, like many Marvel villains, Casilius believes that he is pursuing, uh, if not good, then uh, the betterment of of mankind. Um, He is not... He doesn't come across in in the film as as being strictly evil. Uh, I really got the impression that he was maybe deceived self deceived S- or intentionally deceived seduced. I don't know. in
0: fact Mordo's yeah actually, seduced
1: is excellent yeah
0: Mordo actually tells Dr Strange that he has been that he was seduced by a false doctrine that was another line that trump at him <laughs> because <laughs> that just screams scripture as well um in fact i I wrote down in our in our show outline I wrote down in ephesians four Uh, starting in verse 11, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every word of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So this this is something as Christians... That we are all prone to, if we are mm-hmm. not properly uh, properly unified in message, I guess I should say, um, we're very prone to following after every wind of doctrine that will blow us this way and that. We see that a lot in the Western Church today. There is a ton of false teaching going on in evangelicalism in in our culture. And I, I suspect it's probably in multiple cultures, it's not just in Western, but we we uh, televise a lot of our Christianity and it comes across yeah. uh, where you can see it. And I think that that's w- what has happened in, in Doctor Strange is that there were these other philosophies that Caecilius, uh got pulled away from the track that he was on with the Ancient One by... Uh, listening, he was seduced by false doctrines that that pulled him away from, and and that's kind of interesting when you think about it because his character when we see him at the very beginning of the movie, he's after a particular ritual, and yep. when when the ancient one sees what it ritual he rips out of this book, um she tells him that this this ritual will bring you only sorrow, and. She's warning him that he's going down a path that will not give him what he thinks it will give him,
1: and she knows what she's talking about too.
0: Yeah, because she's used I, the ritual. We find exactly. Out. <laughs> uh, it, I
1: I get the impression that Cassilius has uh, he has realized that the ancient one is drawing on the power, drawing from the power of Dormatu, mm-hmm. um to uh, sustain herself and. Really believes that that power. Uh, he sees what it what the ancient one is doing with it, and he believes that that power is the answer to um, humanity's woe, which is death. Humanity uh, humans must die, and it seems like Cassilius is all about fixing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and it, the he fact that it, the
1: ancient one, yeah, he
0: he fixes it the wrong way. He, his desire is to. To have in a a physical eternal life,
1: but that's not what eternal life is
0: about. No,
1: <laughs> otherwise the mummy would be a completely different movie. <laughs> yeah, completely.
0: <laughs> Whenever Cassilius was speaking in the movie, that was when a lot of lines jumped out at me, and and it really clued me into the fact that there was a a right and wrong answer that was fighting between Cassilius and the ancient one. And mm-hmm. for for example, um. There was one scene where he's talking about death being an insult, and and that is actually scriptural. I mean, we can pick out actual verses in the Bible where it talks about death being the enemy, um, that that's not the way God created the world to be, where death and disease and all of these things that were inflicted on his creation by sin. Cassilius was actually right from a biblical standpoint that death is an insult. It's not supposed to happen that way.
1: Yep. Death is wrong.
0: Death is wrong. There's there's something twisted and in, 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 in just has no place in God's creation. And that comes from, um, I'm going to read it from 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 26. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But even in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So Christ conquers death with what he did on the cross. He conquered death. He was resurrected. He put death in its place. It was the final enemy. But <laughs> he, it is a death, it is a victory over death that we will not see until we die the first death or until he, ter- he comes again and, and renews the heavens and the earth.
1: When the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting?
0: And you have to... Yeah, you have to keep going. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that that's that's exactly what Cate, Catechus is seems to be seeing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, I I never I didn't I didn't draw that link until this discussion. That's very that's very good uh profound insight.
0: Yeah, that's also in 1 Corinthians uh 15 and that those verses were 53 through f- uh 56. Oh, 57. Um, So, yeah, it's just that death has this a lot of discussion, uh, especially in the New Testament, where we're talking about death as something that we have to have victory over. And that is what Cassilius is trying to do. He actually has something of a biblical perspective. It's just he's given himself to the wrong Lord. It's like instead of following after Christ, he's following after Satan because you you really get the feel that this – or Mondo or whatever his name is, is um is the is the Satan in this in this uh realm.
1: It's you know, it's it's sort of like when I when I uh when my car breaks down and I know it's the ignition system, but I don't have a clue how to fix it. <laughs> and what uh what Casilicus is doing is he's sort of like taking it all apart and he's eh, well, the, you know the fix will come as we put it back together.
0: <laughs> And that's kind of contrasted with the uh, discussion that Dr. Strange has with the ancient ancient one when she's busy dying <laughs> and she um, <laughs> decides to take a moment. She's taking it pretty well. Yeah, though. I mean, she's, she takes a moment to stand and watch it snow. And, um, and it, it's interesting because she has a completely different standpoint on it. She says, death is what gives life meaning. To know your na- days are numbered and your time is short. You'd think after all this time I'd be ready, but look at me stretching one moment out into a thousand just so I can watch the snow. Um, so she, she has this, like this feeling of completion, like she she has stretched her life way beyond what it was supposed to be. But she takes meaning in the fact that her days were still numbered, that she saw a future in which she would cease to be. and And so... It, to me, it was very strange that it seemed like the bad guy was taking the biblical point of view in this movie. <laughs> I
1: I, I like that. I like the idea that they see a problem and uh, they try to fix it, but the the bad guy portion comes in how they apply their fix.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. He, yeah. He turned he turned to the wrong way with it, and uh, and we can find. I think that's. One of the reasons why I, I I wonder how the world could not be Christian, because when you see death from a atheistic point of view, it just ends. It's like it's just that's it. And how can there be any hope when you die without a hope beyond that? And when you lose a loved one and what do you think that they just you just buried them and that's the end and you'll never see them again. And there's no mm-hmm. hope in that. And. I, and I don't even know that the ancient one was saying that that was a, a definite end for her, that she wasn't moving on to something else, that they didn't really tackle that. But I kind of get where she's saying in that there there is hope in, in knowing that you have a certain period of time in which to live your life. And so there's truth in what she said, too, as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily uh,
0: biblical truth, but there's truth there.
1: And you know the uh, the irony of uh of the of Catechus becoming the villain is that if she had been if the ancient one had been um more open, I guess, about how she was the ancient one, I mean the what she had to do, if she hadn't drawn the line so boldly against working with the, uh, not the powers of darkness per se, but the uh, uh, powers of destruction, I guess. I, uh, I'm not sure how you would classify Dormammu. Um, but if she hadn't drawn the line so boldly, uh, neither of the two antagonists, uh, the one in this movie and the one t- to come, neither of them would have... Uh, had any fuel for their fire because Catechus is, is uh, he, his fuel is all about using Dormammu's power to uh, provide the eternity that he believes all mankind seeks. And Mordo is, he really is the, the hard line Pharisee of the group where it, he sees what the ancient one when he learns what the ancient one has done he doesn't step back and he uh and evaluate First, it
0: he doesn't evaluate his own view he evaluate reevaluates her his exactly her. And, yeah
1: and he finds her wanting mhm so he becomes uh, judge jury and executioner right which is a good leap into the third spiritual warrior which is uh which is mordo so mordo is uh he is devout He is very, very devout, and uh, he believes wholeheartedly uh, in the rules as they're laid down, and uh, I really appreciate what they did with his character because it happens—not only is it pictured so vividly in the Bible with with the uh, interactions with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but it happens in— our lives so often where people start to place the rules themselves the commandments above the commander
0: right legalism yeah where the law becomes this instrument of punishment i guess that we wield mm-hmm. against each other and we cannot we lose our flexibility and and i'm not saying compromise i'm saying our flexibility and Christ was very much against that. We saw him standing up to um, the Pharisees, the the religious rulers of his day, you know, really bringing them to task about the many things that they were doing wrong in, in the way they were using the law. And and he basically internalized it all. So instead of just doing all of these things, you have to internalize it and make it a part of your heart. Yeah. So that you see the world differently. You just don't behave differently.
1: Yeah. Mordo, really, he's all about justice and has completely well, his, uh, left the mercy behind.
0: Yeah. His comment was, we do not tamper with natural law. We defend it. And so, so he doesn't, he doesn't see uh, the natural law as something that, that you can twist or manipulate or use. It's something that you simply defend. And, mm-hmm. and both the Ancient One and Doctor Strange especially, the way he, he <laughs> rescues the world at the end, is a manipulation and a twisting of the natural law. And yeah. that's why it puts him at odds with Mordo at the end.
1: And uh, Mordo goes through this, this uh, seeming transformation uh, in that final scene and then uh, – in the final scene of the movie proper and then that transformation is seen uh, in its fruition in the second credit scene.
0: Well, yeah. He actually says we did this all by violating the natural law. And mm-hmm. and then he makes a, um, I think it's actually some of the last lines in the actual movie before you get to the, the like the little teaser scenes. But he says, you still think there will be no consequences. The bill comes due always, always. Yeah. So he, he's he's got he's got a very hard line way of looking at it and he's not able to um, to flex himself out of that view. And what I find really interesting, and I want to bring up one of the articles that you, were, you and I were actually just read before we got on to record, was this um, article that we're going to link in the show notes, um, Doctor Strange is the Most Religious Superhero Movie Ever by Paul Essay, mm. And uh, I don't want to steal his thunder because I want you to go read his article, but one of the things he brings up near the end of his article is, is that what God did in bringing Christ to earth and having him crucified and raised again to, co- to defeat death was a twisting of the laws, the natural laws that he created. I'm not saying that God doesn't have the ability to flex his own laws. He made them so <laughs> he can do whatever whatever he wants. That's what miracles are. But I thought that was a very interesting insight into um, how God breaks his own rules all the time. And, and he's capable of doing that. And we can't be this whole hardcore... Uh, well, obviously, we have to follow the commandments He gave us. We, we don't want to break His rules. He's the only one that can do that. But um, we have to be flexible and how and merciful in how we apply that.
1: So uh, the miracles in the Bible are definitely an example of God breaking the rules as we understand them.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, but it, they're not. It, it's it, it's only as we understand them. Our limited knowledge of. The laws that he created, it seems like he's breaking them, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's actually breaking them because it's only within our limited understanding. And we've already established that what we know is a very (laughs) tiny piece of what God knows.
1: Yeah. And just like like Stephen Strange in the spiritual defense of the earth. Right. Of the world, of the multiverses, of whatever uh, it is. The (laughs) omniverse or... I uh I I was caught um I, of the three my wife uh son and I all saw Doctor Strange uh together and I think I was the first one to pick up that the eye of uh agamotto uh was actually was, stone. Ha- <laughs> was housing the time infinity stone mm-hmm. um and, and I I I get a kick out of the fact that uh that the sole purpose of the time infinity stone is to bend the rules of time so uh, Mordo was—he was a lost cause as soon as you realize that the eye of that the eye of, Amag- of Agamotto was the Time Infinity Stone, because his laws are broken right in that eye. So I, I am curious if the eye had been used very much before that.
0: Yeah, that's kind of weird because you know they made such a big deal about the other Infinity Stone with the other Marvel Comics movies coming to Earth and. And, uh, uh, and then everybody fighting over it. And, and it would be kind of weird to think that they had one sitting in the temple in Hong Kong. Was it Hong Kong? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, all this time, you know.
1: <laughs> well, the, the doors, the sanctum was in Kathmandu. And then the doors led to the three, or not the sanctum. Okay, but the, I guess it was Kathmandu, The temple Kathmandu was then. in Kathmandu and the, there were doors that led to the three sanctums, New York, Hong okay. Kong, and London.
0: Yeah, London. Yeah, that created the shield. The three they needed all of those locations to create the shield to cover the entire Earth and, pro- and protect it. Yep. And the shield had to come down before the Dark Lord could pull his his dimension in a port- create a portal into his dimension and yank everything yeah. out of whack. Which you know, surprisingly, it's interesting because um, this movie had some destruction in it, but in the end, it was all put back. For the mm-hmm. most part, it was all put back because he turned time back on itself and undid what was done. And if, of all of the Marvel Comics movies so far, I would say it has the lowest amount of destruction. <laughs>
1: that, <laughs> um, I think I, I think I read a quote that somebody said it, it's nice to see. Uh, it's nice to nice to see the buildings coming back together for once in a Marvel. Film. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting because I just started last night. I don't know whether you, you have Netflix, don't you? Yes. Have you watched the Netflix uh, Daredevil uh, original? Oh, uh,
1: I am I am a big fan of the Daredevil series. Okay, I have uh, just, Both seasons so far. I
0: have just started it, so I'm only like five episodes in. But one of the things that I took note of was that the whole rebuilding of Hell's Kitchen is based on the original vendor, Avengers movie where they pretty yeah. much destroy New York City. And yep. I, I, it took me a little while to catch on to that, what they were doing. And I was like, there's that tie-in, you know, that you know, every time the mm-hmm. Avengers get out there and do something, something, some, there's a whole lot of damage. Yeah. And But this and, movie didn't have it.
1: Yeah, nobody even remembers the damage that happens in this one because mm-hmm. the time rolls back. Right. Uh, w- with these three spiritual warriors, uh, it really does turn out to be... It, Strange is really the the centrist in the group. I mean, uh, Mordo is the hardline conservative, mm-hmm. and uh, Cadicus really is uh, Casilius. Casilius, thank you.
0: <laughs> you you change it every time you say it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How many different variations of his name can I come up with? <laughs> uh, Casilius really is the guy. He's the the one who's passionate about providing the solution to everybody who may not even acknowledge the problem. Right. So uh, Stephen Strange, Dr. Stephen Strange, really is sort of in the middle there. He's willing to bend the rules, but will abide by them in most cases type of thing, I guess.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you put a verse here in our show notes that, Uh, that we haven't actually discussed, and I think it really applies very well. Um, to this movie, it's Ephesians six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And mm. for those of um, those in our culture who deny the spiritual, um, I think that a lot of times they have to turn a blind eye because they're you may not be able to see into the spiritual realm but you can definitely it's like a wind you can see where it affects the real world yeah and exactly i i think that um trying to deny that there is a spiritual realm is is really like we said before intellectual dishonesty you have to really try hard not to see it
1: (laughs) yeah it, it i'm it's clear that uh that there are so many people out there who who see it. I mean it even shows up in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh in Hamlet uh uh there are more things in, hem- in heaven and earth Horatio than are dreamt of in our philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. it it really is it, I am I would be so uncomfortable uh living a life where I believed that what I perceived was all there was to perceive
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, have you ever read uh, screw tape letters by c s lewis yes yes uh, i I love it uh, for our listeners, screw tape letters, if you haven 't read them, is a series of letters between uh two um, I want to call them lesser demons, mm-hmm. uh, Wormwood and Screw Tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, worm is Wormwood, the agent who's with the the human. I don't remember. Who, it's screwta- been a very long time since I've read them. One of them is assigned to be the uh, the pilot of a human to try and steer him the wrong way, and the other one is uh, Lesser Demon's uncle. And uh, the Screw Tape letters is a series of. Uh, Correspondences between the two on how how to uh, lead a
0: person astray.
1: Yeah, and how to how to fight the uh, dastardly influences of faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, the way that that uh, speaks to the spiritual realm. I, I don't think that C.S. Lewis meant it to be a literal interpretation of the spiritual realm, but it certainly does speak to the battle between. Uh, the forces of God and the uh, the forces of the Prince of Lies, mm-hmm. and even though the war is already won, that God is uh, and it's one it, of His tools. Christ specifically is Victor. It's
0: one of the, yeah. It's one of His tools to make us deny the fact that there is a spiritual war going on. So mm-hmm. when when people put their foot down and say there is no spiritual realm, there you are just f- falling prey to a lie. And, uh, but yeah, and, and w- this is an interesting tie in because we did, uh, Kubo recently and, um, this, this verse is actually a continuation coming out of the, um, you know, the putting on the whole armor of God, uh, concept. And so, so this is how we, cl- we, we arm ourselves because there is a spiritual war. It's not because of a physical war. We are not physical soldiers for Christ other than we are spreading the gospel in sometimes places where that doesn't want to hear it. Um we can put our lives at risk for that, but it's more of a need to protect ourselves in the spiritual war um uh, that that we requires us to don the armor that God has given us.
1: Yeah. Uh it's uh Lewis even mentions uh, in in the book don't let him consider the after the spiritual life the afterlife don't let it happen mm-hmm. uh because as soon as as soon as they start thinking about it you've lost
0: well i think that's probably a good place uh to wrap this discussion up there, like i said at the beginning of all of this there's so much more in this movie i have highlighted in my notes a whole bunch of things about fear of death and humanity longing for eternity. Um, Mm. let's see. Uh, there was a line in there, see in part, but not the whole, which made me think of a specific, it's actually a, a verse out of a very popular hymn, but it comes from scripture about being able to, to not see, um, God that we're, we're like looking at God and, and spiritual things through a veil, Um, But when, when we reach the end, when we, when we cross over to that other side, we'll see everything as in whole and it'll be like this brilliant moment of enlightenment that will just blow our minds. Um, And so there's, there's these little phrases that really popped out to me throughout the movie. And I'm hoping that that I wasn't the only one that caught some of these and that there were some that some of our listeners may have caught some that I didn't catch and that we couldn't start some discussions because there's so much more in this movie so much more
1: Mm. well we should uh we should definitely uh have plenty to talk about in the uh in the Facebook section, so let's let's jump in there and, and start the conversation.
0: Sure, definitely. And you can also comment on the show notes, which will again be at watching dot com slash sixty four. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at nine zero three two three one two 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 one. Email us at feedback at areyoujustwatching dot com. And Tim and I are both on Twitter. I'm Twitter at Eve Franklin.
1: I'm at R E N C H E P L E.
0: Really that's I think it for this episode.
1: Uh real quick can I do a a a shout out uh it, to the great feedback that we got recently from um it was Nash, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's really appreciated his feedback and uh want to encourage uh people to to follow his lead. Yes. And uh provide feedback good and bad. Yes. Uh we take it all straight to heart and uh we will work with uh will work and we'll, we'll reply. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the feedback is important. It helps us know that you're out there. And to be honest, it's really surprising to me uh, how diverse our audience is. And I don't know that until I hear from you folks. When you, yeah. when you email us, that really gives me an idea who's out there and, uh, just fascinating uh, to, to realize how wide a uh, diversity there is in our audience. And we have an atheist who, who has claimed to listen to us, which really surprised me. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, I sometimes feel like I'm preaching to the choir when I'm talking to this mic, but uh, we'd love to... Turns out we're not. Yeah, uh, we'd love to get to know more of you. So please do yeah. send us emails. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Are You Just Watching? I'm Eve Franklin.
1: I'm Tim Martin
0: and don't just watch
1: Are You Just Watching As a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis For more great podcasts like this one visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx That's noodle.mx